Hey, Retention Pros. I'm Noah Rahim Zadeh and I lead partnerships here at Malomo. I'm super pumped to continue to chat with ecosystem experts alongside Mariah, who you all already know and love. Say hi, Mariah. Hey, everyone. As you probably know, Retention Chronicles likes to bring in some of the best retention-focused brands in the Shopify ecosystem. But we don't just feature brands. We also feature some great thought leaders in the Shopify ecosystem that serve brands. And because we always want these conversations to be fun, you'll hear us talk with our guests about what they're excited about and what's helped them get to where they are today. We hope you'll stick around to learn and laugh with us. Retention Chronicles is sponsored by Malomo, a shipment and order tracking platform improving the post-purchase experience. Be sure to subscribe and check out all of our episodes at gomalomo.com. All right. Welcome back, everybody, to the newest episode of Retention Chronicles. Super excited today to have Thomas Kimura. Is that Kimura? That's good. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Uh, Probably should have asked that before. Um, (laughs) Thomas is the founder of Brickspace Lab, a Shopify agency um, that also does some custom theme development, I think. So I'm excited to, to dive in, Thomas, and um, really, really looking forward to sharing this one with with our um, listeners. So, thanks so much for joining. Thank you for having me. I mean, this is my first time on a podcast, so I'm kind of oh, just wow. uh, I'm I'm a newbie, but I'm excited to be here. Nice. Yeah. When I uh, when Mariah asked me to to help out with the agency and, and partnership episodes, I had never done a podcast, let alone host a podcast. So. <laughs> <laughs> everyone has to start somewhere right so how long have yeah. you guys been, been doing like the podcast yeah since august 2021 so okay. yeah we're just in season three now about 25 episodes to a season okay. so it um uh, has it been like a general like um like slow growth in terms of like audience and like listeners or okay that's kind yeah, of what it, I do. Like it, it, like it's like a lot of like consistent work. But like once you get through that, it's like you kind of start noticing it. Yeah, for sure. Definitely, consistency is the name of the game. Um, and just having great quality content. Like we didn't really uh, set out with a focus of like this listenership or this audience or you know anything of that nature. But it was like okay, we have some really cool conversations with really cool people like yourself. So why not like learn and record and share those conversations with um, our networks and help other people who are in similar situations. So, but yeah, it has been uh, consistent growth over time. Um, So it's very exciting to see. Cool. Cool. Yeah. I mean, something I'm thinking about doing, but I feel like with the million other things I'm doing, probably. (laughs) Yeah, I will say it dedicates some time for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and having to learn it. Yep. It's definitely not like, I feel like, Mariah, it's not like a side, it's not like an off to the side thing anymore for you. It's like a, a core part of, of the role. Because <laughs> Most time. definitely. But yes. I, will, I will say, Thomas, like to your point about the, the growth and like, the production that you get out of it. It's now something that we talk about in like leadership meetings and how we can do more, right. do different to, to maximize the impact of it. So Got it has it. become like a somewhat of a core channel that we, that we focus on. Um, 
And I think it's also cool that it's kind of grown and scaled as Malomo has grown and scaled. And Mm -hmm. so that's allowed us to get people like you on, whereas like, you know, two or three years ago, you would have been like, I don't even know who the hell you guys are. I'm not not (laughs) an hour with you. So um, we're self-aware here. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. It's also great to see now we're getting some people requesting like inbound coming to us and be like, oh, hey, like fan of the podcast or saw it on, you know, this platform or whatever um, and asking what our guest lineup is like. So it's very rewarding in that sense as well to see that coupled with the growth. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, I'm happy to be here. Yeah. awesome. (laughs) And thank you for asking. Yeah. I don't think we've gotten to chat about that specifically on here. So yeah, 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 yeah. Um, okay. So we, before we, before we dive in and talk, talk shop, we always like to ask our guests one or two things that you're excited about in your personal life. And, uh, before you even get into that, I, I don't know if I've asked you where you're dialing in from. So I'd love to know. Um, I'm calling it from Aurelia. So, uh, you're familiar with, uh, Toronto or Canada. We're just, uh, like an hour North. Nice. Okay. I grew up in uh, I grew up in Toronto like my whole life and moved up here like two years ago. Uh, more affordable. We're working remote, so really no reason to be trapped in the city traffic all the time. Was that uh, yeah. was that a COVID move? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right in the height. <laughs> my my father's actually from Toronto, and so um, and my mother is from Nova Scotia. So I'm a dual citizen to Canada. Fun oh, little awesome. fact. Yeah. Frequent Toronto a lot. Um, all my extended family is still in Canada. So get to go a lot. Yeah. I, love, I love Toronto. I go there like all the time, but um, just but for, living is different. I mean, living, it's nice to be outside of traffic and the rush hour and, you know, get closer to the lakes and nature, that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. We, uh, I was in Toronto for shop talks event in what was that late or like maybe it was it October, maybe late October. Yeah. But Sounds that was, right. I always love visiting that city. It is so awesome. Uh, however, have no desire to come there anytime in the next couple months. Cause the first time I went, it was like early February and brutally, mm. brutally cold. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's definitely more of a summer place to visit. Um, unless you're like into skiing or snowboarding. Right. But at that point, if you're doing that, why would you go to Toronto? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, cool, man. Yeah. Well, uh, so the Toronto's are, are really nice. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, I'll certainly keep you posted on our next our next trip up. Um, okay. One or two things you're excited about right now, personally. Um, personally, um, we just got a dog, so um, that's really cool. Um, yeah, I love her. <laughs> um, her name's Piper. She's um, a Chihuahua Terrier. Uh, we adopted her um, just in the summer, so it's been like maybe like a few months, and she's just over a year old, and she's uh, kind of the perfect dog for us. She's very quiet loves to hang out and it's a nice companion. Amazing. That's awesome. Is that, uh, I would imagine that's taken up some time. That's a, that's, that's an adjustment if you haven't had a dog for a while. Um, 
Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, like, it's a good adjustment because, like, I'm really bad at, like, sticking to any kind of, like, schedule or, like, routine and, like, having something to, like, take care of is, like, a good reminder. Like, oh, like, have to feed the dog, but <laughs> I should myself breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> I have to also feed myself, yeah. <laughs> and we can go on a walk and... I could use a walk too. So <laughs> nice. Love that. uh, that's very cool. I don't have a dog. I don't have any pets right now. Mariah, do you? No. And I desperately want like so many, but I just know that I cannot have a pet right now that added responsibility. So <laughs> yeah. in an opposite way to you, Thomas, I'm like, okay, I feel like there's too many things on my plate to add a pet on there um but definitely will be um getting a pet in the future i grew up with a cat and a dog and so always always had pets yeah yeah i was kind of the same way like we grew up with a dog and um i didn't really think about it until like recently it's like oh why not like let's just do it (laughs) (laughs) and it's going well so that's great very well (laughs) keeping you accountable uh i'm very i'm very similar mariah like i i can't imagine having to feed myself and a pet right now so (laughs) Uh, i I honestly feel the same way but i mean i think i think once it kind of happens you make it work because i was definitely feeling the same way like oh i don't know like is this this is a lot of responsibility um (laughs) but it's it's uh it's easier than it than you think it is when you love something like that you know <laughs> you make <Exactly>. it fun. <laughs> it's a welcome challenge yeah <laughs> um awesome well that's great uh let's get into brick space lab would love to know you know your background and how that led to brick space um, yeah and and sort of where you're at today with it uh okay background how far back do we go here? Uh, <laughs> Your call. We leave it to the guests. <laughs> okay, so, um, you know, I first started kind of like playing around with like coding and like computers. I was always kind of like interested in that stuff, like growing up, um, big gamer. So like computers were kind of like part of my life. Um, going through high school, like I did like a few courses. Um I wasn't really like that into it. Um, went through college and then uh, that's kind of where I started doing some like online courses like myself. So I was in college um, just for like a Bachelor of Commerce. And at the same time, I was kind of like teaching myself to code. And that's where I was like, okay, like I was kind of getting very much into it. Um, and that was good because I mean, at the time I was kind of a, uh, obsessive personality so i would spend like all my time like yeah like watching youtube videos and like taking courses um so that was the first thing that you were that you were coding or like building yeah so this is uh this is way back in like the height of tumblr so (laughs) um my girlfriend uh, actually had a tumblr I guess blog or whatever you call that and um that's where 
I think like I saw her doing that. And I was like, oh, you know what? And then like I was like looking at Tumblr and I realized like they have this theme store and you could like make Tumblr themes. Oh, interesting. So I kind of latched onto that idea, especially because I was like learning how to code and like learning like design and like typography. So that was kind of like the first big project like I worked on. So I made this Tumblr theme and it's actually still available on the Tumblr theme store. Um, put it out and got a ton of downloads. Um, it was free at the time and it still is. So um, didn't make any money on that, but <laughs> got a ton of downloads and I learned Big a legacy, lot. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> so like building software through that. Um, and that was kind of like my first, I guess, experience with that. Um, after very, that. Very quick before we move on from Tumblr. Yeah. Am I right? Mariah might be able to answer this too. My right thinking Tumblr was like the first version of like a Pinterest sort of thing, would we say? I think, yeah. So I was never actually on Tumblr, but like similar ideas to Pinterest and like MySpace, right? Kind of like tied yeah. together. Yeah. I mean, like yeah. it was very like, like flexible. Like you could use it just like as a blog and like write articles. Okay. Very much like, I would say like MySpace, Pinterest, and Twitter, like people would just kind of like write like one or two line things, like share an image, like, um, but the difference was that it was like, you had like your own theme. So it wasn't like a Twitter profile where it looks like Twitter. It's like, it looks like your website or like a MySpace. Yep. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I ever used it, but I obviously like was aware of it. And um, I guess that's, that's really, I'm, I'm excited for you to keep going. Cause it sounds like that was good inspiration for where you, where you ended yeah. up. Yeah. So um, <laughs> after that, um, graduated college, got a internship at a startup um, called student car share. And they operated like a ride sharing or like a, car sharing um uh, program on like different university campuses it was very similar to like zipcar yeah um so i worked with them for maybe like a year or two um and i did like kind of everything there i was doing like facebook ads and marketing i would go to events and um social media like influencers like i worked on their website and their app um kind of everything which was really nice because like it's it's was kind of great to have that experience where like you're in like a business and you're seeing like all the layers to it and how it all kind of goes together um but yeah worked there for two years um quit and then decided to just do freelance um so I, that might have been like 2016 i think um and then when i quit i kind of didn't really have like a specific idea or direction like where to go um just let's get clients and make websites that was kind of like my my plan so <clears throat> i think the first year or two it was like definitely a lot harder to find work in terms of like um looking for just general 
if anyone has a website and anyone needs help, it's like hard to find those people. Um, Can't really target, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of hard to do that, but um, I think I did that for like a year. And then I kind of started to figure out about Shopify around that time too. So um, I saw Shopify and I was like, okay, like this is really cool software. Like I want to work with this. Um, I love that you can like spin up an online store and start a business and sell stuff. Um, so that was kind of like where I was like getting latched onto the idea of that next and actually started my own t-shirt brand as well at that time. Cause I was like, let's figure out how to do the Shopify thing. Like let's, um, figure out how to customize these themes and use their, their software and tools and like actually start a business. So started a t-shirt brand and did that for another year and wasn't really like in love with the whole concept or um, the business at all. It was mostly just like something to do to use, right. to play around with the software. Did you, uh, I'm curious, did you like create your own shirts custom or did you drop ship? What was like the initial setup? So it was, um, our initial idea was we were printing like maps and you could get them for like different cities. And it was like kind of, a, uh, I don't know how to describe it, but it would be like outlines of like the streets and sure. you could get it, you could get like a Toronto map or an Ottawa one. And we'd had them for like all the major cities. Um, so yeah, we did that. We actually had a local, um, we originally started doing like print on demand and then we found a supplier in Toronto who would kind of do print on demand for us and they were like cheaper um, and we could give them like our own shirts and it kind of worked out better that way. Um, we could kind of handle the quality better and like put in our own like packaging and all that kind of stuff. So we did that, um, but yeah, we, we were never really like um, in love with a concept or idea at all. It was kind of just an excuse to start something. And all the while, were you taking on other consulting projects as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's kind of where started the t-shirt brand and then got more into Shopify. Um, and then if you're familiar with StoreTasker, I was... Um, I joined that kind of around the same time as well. Okay. And StoreTasker is similar to Upwork. It's like a job board, a, like a developer marketplace, but it's specifically catered to like Shopify merchants. So merchants can go onto StoreTasker um, and look for expert developers to help with their website. So I was uh, I was on StoreTasker back then too. So that's kind of where I started getting projects for Shopify work. Um, and then, you know, one thing leads to another, you do one project, they refer you to someone else. And here we are, I'm on the podcast now. The rest is history. <laughs> Real quick, Thomas, do you know, um, I think I'm right in saying this, but I believe Tim Masick uh, yeah. works at sort. Okay. At, yeah. uh, Noah, 1-800-D2C. So yes. Tim at 1-800-GDC also is at StoreTasker. So I know the name um, and briefly, briefly familiar. So you worked with him a bit? 
Um, there or it, just know I, the name? I, I think Tim joined StoreTasker like within the last year. Uh, oh, so okay. I think so not the same time. Yeah, not the same time. But I have, I mean, I've talked to him a few times, but um, when I, when we like when I first started on StoreTasker, he was he wasn't part of that uh, that ecosystem. Got it. Gotcha. Uh, Small world. Yeah. <laughs> he was also on Retention yeah. Chronicles a while back. Yeah. One of our first guests, I think. So. I was just uh, just emailing with him this morning. So that's that's awesome. Um, so today, are you still on there or have you sort of separated from StoreTasker? Uh, I am still on StoreTasker, but um, where like our, I guess our agency business, like we get a lot of like just business through like word of mouth. So um we're at the point now where like at least at like the current state we don't really like need a lot of new business just because like we're a small team so i can't just go on to store tasker and pick up 10 new jobs because who's going to do all that work so right now we're kind of like at capacity especially because like our priority now is working with the clients we already have so um yeah we're on store tasker, but I don't really, I don't really pick up any work on there unless we're in like a dry spell or something. Right. Right. Um, so I want to ask about like how you sort of stick out, but first I'm curious, one, would you, for like an up and coming consultant in the Shopify ecosystem, would you recommend that would be a good place to start? And two, yeah. I'm also curious, like what the business model is. Do they take like a rev share percentage or or what what does that look like yeah um so first question would i recommend store tasker definitely so uh i mean i've seen like there's like a lot of other kind of people in the sim similar situation as me like kind of right. either starting their business or they're freelancing and store tasker is a really good uh, place to go especially to get those like those specific leads like in an industry like e-commerce shopify um and these are clients that are okay they're willing to pay for developers because they know that they need something on their website that they can't do themselves um so it's not like doing it the other way where you're just like cold calling people and yeah. you have no idea if they have a budget or anything like that so Right. It's definitely a really good option to go through like kind of any kind of job board or networking kind of place like that. Store Tasker is really good, especially if you want to stay in the Shopify uh, yeah. realm. Yep. Um, and then second question, how does that work in terms of pricing? Um, Store Tasker takes a percentage cut. I, I, don't remember exactly what it is, but I believe it it changes based on like your volume. So if you, you're doing more more work, um, that percentage goes down. Um, but it it's nothing like unreasonable. Like it's definitely worth it if you're starting out and you want to start freelancing and you've got skills to help out other merchants on Shopify. Right. Awesome. I'm looking at their page right now and they not only obviously focus on like the Shopify expertise, but the Shopify app expertise as well in a lot of these listings. So 
wheels are turning right now. <laughs> how do we get <laughs> how do we get Maloma listed as a uh, you know be Shopify and beyond app? Yeah, yeah. I think that's like I think they're doing like a lot of partnerships with like apps that typically need like experts to implement them. So like that's definitely like a good thing to think about. Like um, if like Malomo gets like a lot, if you guys get a lot of requests for like custom work or, oh, we installed your app, but we need to customize it or we want it to look this way and can we integrate it here? Definitely get in touch with Stortasker because um, I know they're doing that with a lot of other apps where there are like frequent customizations. So nice. definitely keep in mind. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. We'll have to reach out and see what we can do. Um, okay. So that's a, that's a great segue. So there's looks like probably thousands of individual consultants on store tasker and there's probably, or maybe, maybe not thousands, but a decent amount. Yeah, maybe, maybe under a thousand. Maybe. I, I couldn't tell you, but there's, there's a lot. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, that's, that's just one channel, but then you have the other like tens of thousands of individual Shopify um, consultants and agencies um, and new ones entering the space every day. So what would you say makes Brickspace sort of stick out from the pack? What makes you guys unique? Um, you know, I've been asked this question before and like, I, I guess it's something that um, I can't really answer because, well, first of all, I don't think there's anything that sets us apart. Like, like if you think about like a, a business in like a completely different category, like an electrician, for example, like what sets them apart? Nothing. Nothing. Like there's other electricians doing the same work. There's other Shopify developers doing the exact same thing as me. Um, I would say what sets me apart, maybe, um, we do good work, but other people do good work too. Um, <laughs> we're a small team, but I mean, there's others that are small. Um, yeah. Well, I could, uh, first of all, I love that answer cause it's refreshing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I guess I to, to add to that, I mean, I know like a lot of people like in like the startup, like, or like tech world they're always like oh what's your differentiator and like how are you different like i mean i don't think things have to always be different like um there's room in the world for two providers or hundreds of providers of the same service and maybe we just have a close relationship with our clients and that's it you know yeah, yeah. well um I think I can. I think I can say this with confidence. I, I won't mention any brand specifically by name, but I know some of our joint customers are, you know, logo accounts, so to speak, in the Shopify ecosystem. So you're clearly doing something right to yeah. not just get those in the door, but I think you also have, you know, retainer-like engagements with them. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, definitely correct. And I mean, yeah. Sometimes. I do, I do get a little bit of an ego boost when I go on other, other apps and I see like our clients logos, yeah. like, and I'm like, Oh, we work with them. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know if that's, that's maybe we just got lucky and I've been in Shopify space for a while or, uh, maybe it's sad and we do really good work. Um, but yeah. Yeah. 
That's awesome. And then um, what kind of, just for the listener's sake, like what kind of services do you offer? What's a typical engagement look like? Yeah. So uh, we're kind of, now that we have our Shopify theme out, uh, we're trying to make a shift towards, um, I guess, packaging our services up in like more um, predefined, I guess, scopes. Okay. So um, one thing we're doing now that I'm really trying to promote more of is just audits. So that's like where we take like, we'll look at your Shopify website and we'll basically tear it apart and list out recommendations for um, things you can change, things you can test um, and things that might be broken. And then we'll give you like a side-by-side mock-up of, here's your website, here's our recommendations. Um, So that's one that we're kind of recommending for like maybe those bigger brands that have like more traffic and they have a higher, like they're getting traffic to their store where they can actually A-B test things. Um, And they don't know like which direction, they know they want to change things things on their website, but they don't know what or where or where to start. So that's definitely the first thing we're kind of recommending. After that, um, we're doing like retainers. So that's retainers are kind of like support um, ongoing kind of anything. Um, So it could be something like installing an app or customizing the Malomo tracking pages um, and maybe adding new collections and integrating with new features. So support or retainers are kind of set hours and we can kind of do whatever we need to do for our Mm -hmm. client. And then uh, we're also looking to do just theme setups now. So uh, for customers who are installing our Shopify theme, if they want our, 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 I guess our help to design it and actually install it and set it up with kind of our expert input, then that's something else we're doing. Um, And then I would say customizations would probably be final service. So that would be um, either if someone's installing our theme or another theme and they want to add XYZ feature that isn't, isn't already available or they want to change things a bit, then that's also something we can do. Got it. Okay. I have a, I have a quick question. So Malomo has like our Shopify theme, but what does it look like on the like consult consultancy side, or, like the agency side for your like Shopify theme? I'm not like, just like technically speaking, is it like something that they're enabling on their site or like, what is that? Um, I'm, I'm not sure I understand. So, yeah. so I think, um, I think the question is like, we, we have like a theme app, just like a lot of other, you know, like third party Shopify apps can be easily plugged into any Shopify theme. Right. How does what you're describing relate to like an app versus like a Shopify theme in and of itself. Oh, um... yeah. Thank you, Noah. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> okay. So how does our theme relate to an app? Or like, how, yeah, like what's the, 
how do they, how would they like work together? Um, you like complement each other. Yeah. Right. Yeah. right, 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 right. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess out of the box, Shopify themes definitely come with a lot of functionality, but they don't come with everything. And I mean, they shouldn't because the, there's millions of people on Shopify. If you're adding every single feature to a Shopify theme, it's just going to be way too much, way too bloated. And it's not really going to be good at any of those things. So themes are kind of built to be flexible in a way that they can be customized. Um, and they're kind of built in a way that they can serve a lot of people. And part of that is being able to implement other apps. Right. So that's definitely where like, okay, if you want to have a tracking page, uh, you can't just use the default theme. You got to go with an app and you can install an app and integrate it into the theme and then boom, boom, no coding needed. It's just all done. Yep. So, okay. That's, that was really helpful. I'm curious, uh, and maybe this is a really stupid question. Can you like pre-package third-party apps into a custom theme? Like, for example, the theme that you created for Brickspace that you're now selling um, and then offering services on, could you theoretically integrate like a rebuy for product recs or a Malomo for, for tracking? Um, like pre-packaged within that theme or can you only do what's like native out of the box with Shopify? And um, that wouldn't, I mean, technically that could be possible, um, but there's no way that would, I guess, get into the Shopify theme store just because that would kind of be against their uh, terms of for sure. whatever their agreement uh, <laughs> for the Shopify team. Sure. But I mean, that, technically could be possible and that's something that we could sell outside of the theme store mm -hmm. like as an add-on um i don't know what that would look like but it's definitely possible whether as like a one-off service or even like a like buy this like buy this customization and then like you get emailed like a code snippet you can just paste it in yeah uh, there's probably a few different ways you could do it. Uh, I know there's even like some apps where you can install an app and then that app adds extra sections to your theme. I think it's, um, mm, interesting. Uh, I got to find the name of this one because okay. <laughs> um, this is interesting. I don't think we've ever had anybody on who's talked about like creating a custom theme and then also providing services on it as well. Um, yeah, so it's, um, it's I mean, the, the thing is like, I guess for us, uh, like our primary, like we're making most of our money through our agency right now. So we kind of need to keep doing that. Right. And at the current, I guess, scale of um, our theme sales, um, it makes a lot more sense for us to like upsell those customers for like customizations um, and other services, just um, versus like we're not getting thousands of installs and we can just just do the installs, which that'd be nice too, but um, I don't think we're at that point yet. Yeah, makes sense. Um, 
So what, uh, I'm curious to hear a little bit more about like the theme that you created specifically, who, like, who is it best for what's unique about it? Uh, this is clearly an area where Mariah and I are not <laughs> as up to snuff as, as some of the other areas. So, um, really curious about that. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, we, des we designed the, the paper theme and that, it was probably like an eighth, nine, nine month project. Um, and so you're asking who is for. So I would say right now it's a lot of the features on the theme are like built for larger catalogs. So there's a lot of like discovery and like filtering and sorting features um, that work pretty seamlessly with like all the like recent Shopify updates. Um, so I'd say like really any large catalog store um there's obviously like like if you're looking for specific features it might not have it but it might i mean it really depends what you're looking for um but generally i would say large catalog store um it's fairly flexible like when you're going into it you can you can go into like the color settings like the border settings you can like change the radius and rounding for like buttons and inputs um so you can kind of take something and like make it look like 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 uh kind of minimal like balenciaga like yeah. uh kind of brutalist style or you can make it look like like um kind of fun poppy and like there's completely different ways to design it so it's not really like for a specific style, but I would say generally large catalog. Got it. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's a really interesting topic that we just have not uh, talked much about. So uh, I'm glad we got a little, little education there. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, I want to go back to something you said earlier, you, you started sort of on the ser service services provided by Brickspace with audits. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm curious, you know, in doing, I'm sure many of them over time, um, when you look at a site and you're like, okay, here's what's working, here's what's not, here's what's broken, here are your opportunities. Are there any themes that have consistently sort of stuck out in terms of like most Shopify merchants or many are missing this thing and you just can't believe how many, you know, are missing this specific or, or missing on the specific area uh in their business um honestly there isn't really one because at least like for the clients that we're working with they're all they're usually like pretty far along in their business and like maybe they've like started their brand themselves and like they used a free theme and like their business kind of took off and yeah uh, now they're kind of looking for extra help but i haven't really noticed like any like common opportunities among like the clients we work with it seems to be kind of all over the place um like some clients will do things good and then other clients or customers won't do those things and they might do something else so um uh, i would say generally like um just maybe being aware of your website in terms of like a customer perspective like um i know a lot of people probably like go into the theme editor and like maybe preview their website um but it's an even better idea to like 
go on your phone and like yeah. open up a website on your phone and like kind of go through the buying process and maybe even do that like once a week if you're changing things on your website like see what that looks like um are things easy to read um our customers finding the information they need to find easy or do they have to like scroll and like search through big blocks of text to find like one thing um but i mean generally like it all comes down to just like making making the content like easy digestible making things easy to find and um i mean there's so many ways to do that so it's kind of hard to uh <laughs> give like general advice, but yeah. No, that's, I think that's fantastic advice. I just, um, I think actually the podcast that we released today uh, with Applo Group out of Canada talked a lot about like a consistent site experience and mm -hmm. how a lot of brands sort of like don't think about, and I, I actually heard it on uh, Nick Sharma and Moise's podcast this week too. So it's kind of consistent themes, but they were, they were talking about how like even things like the camera angles on which you like take your product pictures for the listings on your site need to be consistent. Um, like all of the messaging from start to finish needs to be easily digestible yeah. on brand. Would you agree with that? Is that sort of a hundred percent? Um, I mean, I think it, it kind of depends on like your business, but I mean, I, I've seen some like Shopify stores where maybe it's just like, like kind of a local shop and they're selling like hardware goods and like, maybe they don't need the best photography. Um, yeah. But all that other information that those customers need, like what tool this is and like the dimensions of the whatever device they're selling, right. like that information needs to be there for those customers. Um, but definitely for like some of those more like aesthetic Instagram brands, the photography is probably number one. I think that's one of the components on like a website where uh, it can make something go from looking really kind of um, unprofessional to make making something looking completely um, top grade, like top notch. Um, photography is a big part of that because if you think about it, Shopify or any website, really, like if you're looking at a grid of products and you've got a little bit of text under each photo, like the name of the product, 90% of that design is just the photo. So that is, uh, that is a really important component. Well, that's such an interesting like take, right? It's like, this is yeah. the main thing you're looking at. So why would you not focus most of your time on making sure it looks good? Yeah. I feel like most people would say like copy would be more important than the photography. So that's like a very interesting, um, like, I feel like my gut reaction to that would be like, oh, copy, like the messaging. I feel like that's what we talk about a lot, Noah, is like, proactive mm -hmm. messaging just because that's where we live in the ecosystem right but it's an interesting take to think about like the imagery of it all because then when I think about my experience as a consumer like the picture is what grabs my attention first and then you yeah. read more about it yeah I mean like I I wouldn't sacrifice either like you kind of need good copy and good photos to make a great website sure. um mm -hmm. and I think customers probably notice both like yeah 
if you can just like imagine like a like a store and they're selling like it's like lululemon for example and you you replace all the photos with just a f- photos someone took off their phone camera and that's not going to look at all like the same website it does now right. um and people notice that yeah mm-hmm. yeah really interesting um okay moving on to retention really quick uh don't have much time left but since this is retention chronicles i gotta ask um what does retention mean to you as part of all of the things that we've just talked about and what would you say the most important drivers of it are um retention so i think retention's like really important for brands to consider when they're trying to go after like sustainable growth um i think a lot of maybe newer founders might kind of get caught up on like new sales or just revenue as like a primary metric but retention is like really important because it costs a lot of money to find new customers and if you always have to find new customers you're always going to be like digging this digging a hole when you could just be building like a community building a customer base and keeping that customer base alive like some businesses run off of a handful of customers and like maybe that's all you need um so retention is definitely really important for building a sustainable long-term business and if you're not thinking about how to keeping how how to keep customers then they're where are they going to go they're going to go somewhere else yeah and i i'd argue like not only that but you're probably losing money on that that new customer that you acquired the first time that they buy something. So like, yeah, if you have a plan to keep them, there's like no sense at all in acquiring them in the first place. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah. One of the things that I also heard, I, this is top of mind because I just listened to it this morning, but on the podcast that we released today was um, he talked about like acquisition is just acquisition but retention is where you like drive profitability and like without it you're just i think exactly to your point thomas like you're just forever digging a deeper and deeper hole if you haven't figured that out yeah exactly like it's like that's you're getting new customers but how do you keep them happy how do you keep them coming back how do you how do you make your product your business part of their like ongoing life like if this is a product they need and they want it again then you got to be there for them is there are there any specific areas that you've noticed in the work that you've done with brands where brands are consistently like neglecting in terms of retention or opportunities that you think a lot of brands could implement um i think generally um it's something that brands probably want to take like kind of a holistic approach because I think retentions, it's not like a, it's not like a one solution thing. Like there's kind of a lot of things that go into it. Um, like it's the customer support, it's the product quality, it's like the shipping and tracking and keeping customers in the loop. Um, like, 
let me think. <laughs> no, that's, uh, that's good stuff. Like, I, I totally agree with you. I don't think that there's... Yeah, it's there isn't just one thing. It's like a completely... Uh, it's your whole business. So it's like making the reordering process easier or making it convenient for them. Like, I mean, if you're selling a product and you know maybe it takes three months for that product to get used and maybe sending reminders to get reordered at like the right times and uh, really leveling up your support and making that like a A plus experience and just having a good quality product. I mean, that's probably number one. Like if you get a sale and that's a new customer and you want to keep that customer for a while, well, that first sale is kind of just a demo because they're only going to reorder if they like the first product. So doesn't matter if you have great ads or great whatever they're not going to buy again if they didn't like it the first time right yeah absolutely i feel like that um that sort of just comes full circle in terms of like unfortunately you just can't neglect super key aspects and the only way to probably figure that out from a brand operator's perspective is to your point earlier, Thomas, go through the experience, like yeah. figure out a way to go through the experience raws if you're a brand new customer. And even, you know, especially if you're like a subscription brand, like figure out what the experience is like if you were to buy again or subscribe and look for ways to optimize. Would you, would you agree with that? Completely, completely. And I think that's like, that's something where, I mean, it's even worthwhile to like look at other brands that are like, Maybe if you're if you're selling if you have your own company or your own website, look at similar brands, similar websites, and see what they're doing. And it's kind of a great place to look for like inspiration. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, two more quick hitters, and we'll be at the top of the hour. Um, we are recording in sort of late January here, so I'm curious if there are any trends that you're looking uh, closely at or um, expecting to come to fruition in the Shopify ecosystem in 2023? Um, I think there's going to be, I mean, there's a lot of like things that are kind of happening simultaneously. I think, okay, the first thing that's kind of probably everyone's talking about is just like AI. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> those tools um, in general, they're, I don't think they're going away at all. So it's just a matter of like how that's going to evolve and apply to different businesses, um, how you can use that. Um, and I think all that software is definitely going to get better and better in terms of there's going to be like actual tools built for specific use cases. Um, I'm sure like there's going to be support tools and like replying and smart AI chatbots and there's going to be things for better product photography and um, better kind of smart recommendations and things that, that can look into your reporting and like kind of find things for you. Um, I don't know if that's all going to happen this year, but I think that's definitely something that's happening it's happening, but I don't know. I don't know how long it will take. Right. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we've been talking about AI since like I was a kid probably, but now it feels like, you know, a lot of things are actually um, 
being like put into practice. Like it's not just, it's no longer just talk and like the leading brands are probably going to be incorporating some facet of AI into their, into their business. In, in some yeah. Way. And I don't think it's going to be something where like, it's not really going to change at least in the short term, like how like you would operate a Shopify business. It's just going to make things easier. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you'd be doing all the same things, but maybe instead of doing this one section, this one process of your day, maybe you just have an AI assistant handle right. that, yeah, path handle it, or kind of flag when you need manual help or mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah, I would say though that that like that up level and efficiency is a differentiator because if you're the only brand in your space doing it, like you you'll eventually start to pull away because you have more time to focus on your business rather than, you know. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I mean, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of empowering too, because like you can see now how maybe smaller brands or people just starting out of their, their home apartment and they want to do all these things. And maybe in a few years, they'll have the same capacity to do what, these big brands and these big players can do all on their own. So it's definitely uh, exciting things to pay attention to. And I'm hoping that it gives more a level playing field to kind of new newcomers to online Shopify space. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. That's a good one. Um, last question. And then we'll be, we'll be wrapping up here. Um, you've had an awesome career so far, um, sort of since the start on, on the Tumblr days to working with some of the, you know, premier brands in the Shopify space. So we always like to ask, um, what's like one tip or a piece of advice that sort of helped you, uh, throughout your career that you would share with others? Um, one tip. Um, okay, wait, I had written something down for this. <laughs> hold it up, hold it up. How to prep for, for that knowledge notes. share. <laughs> Preparation and notes. Um, <laughs> of itself. So this is probably more of a um, life tip in general, but I found it really helpful for myself. Um, I I mean, I've kind of gone through burnout in like recent years and I think um, probably a lot of other entrepreneurs go through similar things. Um, But I think one thing that's like been really helpful for me in general is kind of focusing more on um, your effort rather than your outcomes. Um, It's kind of counterproductive or intuitive, especially if you're trying to reach a specific outcome, but it becomes really mentally draining if you put in so much effort and the thing that you want to happen, the outcome doesn't happen. That Mm -hmm. can be kind of soul crushing. Um, But if you reframe that and to say, um, well, success to me looks like putting in that effort. It's just trying. And I put in the effort, I learned something, what I wanted to happen didn't happen, but um, I all I care about is the effort. So I will keep doing the effort part because that's enjoyable, that's fun, and 
it whatever happens happens it's outside of my control man i love that one that's like take it back to like you know fifth or sixth grade basketball when you hear that for the first time of like a coach say you know as long as you do your best then you can't control anything else yeah. and, i mean truly like it it kind of applies to everything like i know i know i've been in the mindset where like you're so focused on like reaching a specific goal and you could try very hard and put in a ton of effort and still come short that doesn't feel good right. so it's a lot better for like just overall productivity and overall like literally life happiness to just be happy with your effort and whatever happens happens then that's that's kind of the way i do it in my head yeah yeah i think regardless of like you know, whether you get to that outcome that you're searching for or not, you are still learning and growing yeah. in all that effort. So like, you're still bettering yourself and, and bettering whatever it is you're working on, even if you fall a little bit short. Yeah, exactly. exactly. If you, if you take on like the mindset of a student where everything is just a learning experience and I'm not out here to achieve that goal. I'm just out here to learn. Then everything is part of that student experience. And we're just students in life learning things. Yes. Trust the process, right? Yeah. <laughs> or I, anything that I was just going to add, it's way more sustainable to feed your energy into those kinds of efforts than yeah. to be critical on yourself for objectives or um, yes. outcomes that you did or didn't hit. So, yeah. yeah, completely agree. Yeah, and I think sometimes this can even become a bit, um, like, I know some people like freeze up when like they think about outcomes and like all the different ways it can happen. And like, maybe they're like contemplating like the bad things that can happen. Like, should I do this? Should I try this? Should I start a Shopify brand? Like, just try, like, mm-hmm. you gotta learn something, so. What's Might as well, time? right? <laughs> yeah, you're gonna learn something. Yeah. That's that's a good thing. So mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's that's great advice, man. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Very unique perspective, uh, sort of like nothing we've ever had on before. So really appreciate it, and uh, looking forward to hopefully working more closely together this year in 2023. For sure, for sure, we'll definitely stay in touch. 